0: Trevor Bartlett of Author joins The Antidote to share about their music. Trevor, great to have you with us.
1: Great to be here.
0: I understand your brother is part of the band, but who are the other band members of Author?
1: Um, So yeah, uh, my brother plays drums. His name is Cameron, and we also have Eric Moody, who plays guitar, and our new bass player is Blake Wooten, who plays bass. And The one in the picture you probably see, and all the bass on the record, is Nate Washburn.
0: Whenever there are brothers in a band, I have to know something. Do childhood battles with Cameron still rage on?
1: (laughs) Um, We we definitely have our fair share of arguments here and there in the van and stuff like that, but uh, when it comes down to touring, as often as we do, I suppose, um, everyone argues at some point, so... Um, It's actually better with my brother because we always know how to resolve it because I've been living with him for, you know, 21, 22 years. And these other guys I've only been hanging out with for like four or five years. So it's much easier to to make up with my brother than it is to make up with the other band members.
0: With having your brother in the band, were you guys brought up like in a musical household?
1: Um, Yeah, very much so. Um, Both of our parents sang all the time, um... I was wooed in the womb with guitar and sang too, and all that. And my dad actually was a youth pastor growing up, and he um, would do worship music as well. So I very much grew up in that whole circle of things as well. So it's always been musical f- for us.
0: Okay, seriously, what does your dad think about your music?
1: Uh, he loves it. He's very, very, very proud of us, always supportive and with a PR mind, um, giving us positive criticism, but he's definitely not the overbearing musical father, which some people can relate with, I suppose. He's not the one that's like practice more or this and that, or that set was bad or blah, blah, blah. He's definitely more like, yeah, everything is so good, but like you could maybe promote this better, blah, blah. blah. So it's more along the promoting side, which is really helpful because he thinks in ways I don't think a lot of the time. So,
0: Well, curiosity-wise, what would your dad's favorite band be? Uh,
1: My dad's favorite band is Led Zeppelin, I believe, (laughs) Uh, from back in the day. But he he spans um, a lot of artists. Like, I was named after Trevor Rabin from Yes, Um, like The Cure, The Police... That's some stuff I used to listen to, too, but that my dad would listen to. Now my dad's more hip than I am. He's more into, like, the Avett Brothers and Dawes, and um, there's a band called The New Pornographers, which is kind of like a dancey electric band, and um, a bunch of stuff like that my dad listens to. There's a really great radio station in Minnesota called The Current, and my dad's very, very into that, and it helps me out and definitely. Helps him out. So,
0: yeah, you were talking about being based out of Minnesota, Minneapolis, right?
1: Yeah, um, I and my brother grew up in Rochester, Minnesota, which is like an hour and a half south of Minneapolis. So we call ourselves from Minneapolis because there's not many other places to play in Minnesota. Um, I mean, there's a few college towns, and Minnesota is actually a lot bigger than a lot of people think it is. But uh, Minneapolis is kind of the easiest way to call it at that point.
0: Well, of course, you know, Minnesota's got this reputation for brutal winters. Is it true?
1: Yes. um, It is pretty bad. It's not quite as bad as if you're living in North Dakota, but I think last year or the year before, we had over a foot of snow in May, which is very unheard of, uh, but it did happen. Most of the time, we get a couple of feet of snow every winter, but Um, the cold is the worst thing. I think last year it was getting into the negative 40, negative 50 range with wind chill.
0: That's nasty.
1: Yeah. Luckily, I was living in Atlanta, Georgia at the time, so it wasn't too bad for me.
0: A few moments ago, you spoke about time spent on the road. How many dates does author do in a year?
1: Um, this year, at the end of the year, um, we'll have done about 180 shows this year.
0: That's wild
1: yeah thank you um yeah this year has been the busiest year we've had normally we tour probably three months max in a year but we just put out the new record of brighter days and uh, this year has been the year we've been pushing it the most um so that's kind of been our thing next year we're still trying to um plan for a heavy year but we're trying to like redesign our our tactic and kind of see what's best to do like playing often is good, but maybe playing less often will build your crowds or, you know, there's so many different tiny facets to touring that people don't think about that have to come into play. So we're trying to work on that for next year.
0: Author's been around for what, about five years now?
1: Yeah, just about five years. Me and my brother used to play in an old screamo band back in the day for like three years before that. And after that was done... Um, We've been doing this, and yeah, about five years. Uh, me and Cameron pretty much the whole time, and then uh, Eric has been in the band three and a half years now.
0: What's been the hardest part about developing the band?
1: Um, I think the hardest part about developing the whole band would have been um, timing, I guess, and um, like what you want from the band, because when you're developing an idea and a concept it seems easier to do hypothetically than it actually is. So like the same thing goes with music where, well, I got to get these committed players to play. Cause at the very beginning it was just me. And then I was like, I got to, I have to get these committed players, but I don't want to have to pay musicians. So I want people to be in my band. And then at that point, it's like, you have to figure out who works creatively with you. And then there's the aspect of touring. Like who can you stand being around for such a long time? And, it's just such a different thing. So after years and, and years, I think we've finally got it to be a much more comfortable touring band and, and band in general. I think that's definitely been the hardest part is fully putting it together and also kind of saying like it's okay if it takes longer. In my opinion, the bands that make it really quickly don't have a lot of longevity um in music. Like they might make a lot of money up front and they might be a band for like four years, but they won't be a band when they're 30 or when they're, you know, past that. Um, So for me, I'm just really trying to take it easy and make the smartest moves that we can make um, to try to create some sort of longevity and some sort of career, you know, modeling after bands like, I don't know, Grizzly Bear, Arcade Fire, stuff like that where they've been bands for years and years and years. And some of those bands like Grizzly Bear didn't even catch on to the general market for like six years, seven years. So I have hope.
0: (laughs) It does. It takes time to build. And what did you think of Arcade Fire winning a Grammy?
1: Um, I thought that was great. They work really hard, and they do a lot of cool things and unique things. And as I've grown older, I've realized how almost all bands, I'd say 95% of bands, take and copy from other bands. But I think Arcade Fire does it flawlessly and honorably where it's like more paying tribute to aspects of bands and not ripping off full parts of bands, which I think is really great.
0: Well, it's interesting that you brought up that point because everybody seems to like comparing one band to another. So I've heard the music of author being described as being similar to uh, Copeland and Mute Math. But I'm really interested in hearing your thoughts. Are comparisons a fair way of describing any artist's music?
1: I... I wish there was, well, there is an easier way just to listen to it, I suppose, but I personally don't like comparisons as much. I don't mind them. I'm not a person that's like, oh, can you just stop like comparing us, blah, blah, blah. I'm honored to be clumped into bands like that, for sure. Um, but for me, I think the easiest way to put anyone's music is just to let people listen to it, and even better still, you know, a live show. If that band tours or whatever, because I know for us, our live show is a lot louder and heavier and um, grungier, I guess. Like, sonically speaking, the digital record is very clean and, and produced, which we really love, but live it's a lot grungier and, and bigger sounding. Um, I've always been a fan of trying to bring the live and the, the record to completely different points so that people have a reason to listen to both.
0: And do you find then ever that someone comes to a live show and can't stand it because it's not what they expected?
1: Um, Not yet.
0: (laughs) You're anticipating it, though.
1: Yeah, the only criticism live to a record, I mean, there's my dad where he's missing a few harmonies (laughs) here and there, and then the only other one is, uh, why don't you make a rock record like your live set? (laughs) And I'm just like, It is. It's the same songs. So, uh, just a couple people wishing that our our recordings were more raw, which I think that we might move towards a little bit, um, potentially with this next, next record. But, yeah, I don't know.
0: But it's interesting, because some bands are really almost destined to be a live band versus a studio band, where their studio recordings are fine, but their live sets are just so spectacular, you wish they had recorded everything live.
1: Yeah, I totally know what you mean. There's a lot of friend bands that we have in the same size band that we are, but we have a lot of friends that don't spend quite as much money on recordings as we do. And it's interesting because I've been brought up and seen that having a really great sounding record really helps you in the long run, you know, with bookings or with gaining fans or people can listen to it. But I have noticed that some of my friends' bands that have worse sounding recordings. Um, They just put on such good live shows that their shows are just packed. Because people are familiar with the songs, but they don't listen to a lot on record. And then they just, like, all these people show up at their shows. So, I mean, I do think that it's important to have a good-sounding record as well. But I think there might be some truth in having a similar-sounding record to what you do live. So, I mean, I think that is something that we're going to try to dive into with this next record.
0: To follow back up on that point I was making earlier about comparisons, it's funny about the Copeland comparison, because your first release, People Are Like All Over, was produced by Aaron Marsh of Copeland. Do you think, really, that Aaron had a major impact on the sound of author?
1: Um, I do. I think that on the first record, he had a huge impact. Um, Like I said earlier, we decided that we wanted to put together a bigger budget for a record, and put something out that really sounded great. And People Are Like All Over was our first uh, release, so we decided to go all in. And we had, I guess, maybe six song ideas, and we had probably three of those completed with a couple songs on that record. Um, Separation being the biggest one, which is the first song on that record. Uh, Aaron helped complete the song. Uh, Aaron actually played bass on the whole record, which definitely kind of influenced the way bass is in our music. Um, our bass player who recorded of Brighter Days, Nate Washburn, he brought in with a completely different idea and feel. It still has some similar feel because he's very much a player and a producer. He actually produced our record as well and we all produced it together. But he is very much like, Hey, you know, should we do like a more simple bass thing? Should we do a more groovy bass thing? You know, kind of in between or whatever. So going back to Aaron, I guess, Aaron definitely had a big part in our first record, whether it was just adding in, you know, feels or adding in an instrument here and there. The Mellotron and Rest um, is a huge Copeland staple, I guess you could say. And we loved it. You know, there was never a moment when we recorded that record where we were like, we sound too much like Copeland. I mean, he's definitely known to put his Copeland touch on records that he does. But I I never think that's a bad thing. I mean, he's a great producer. He's a great dude to work with. And yeah, I mean, we love the whole thing. We actually did a single too that kind of gets lost in the works in between the two records. That one, I think, sounds the most like Copeland of anything we have. But we were flirting with the idea of going that direction, but we ended up going more of like a rock direction, which I think we really like. So yeah, we're definitely trying to stay away from that. Because we do know that people like comparisons and people like stuff like that, so we're trying to move as close to our own content as possible. So
0: we should talk about your new album of Brighter Days. You know, it wasn't until I listened through the album a few times that I started to realize that the songs are really focused on relationships.
1: Yeah. They are all relationship songs. The whole of Brighter Days process was really interesting Um, I I write about 90% of the lyrics I would say so I had written probably four or five songs and they were all about like more relationships that that I've dealt with like with my parents and things like that Um, nothing too direct personal to my life like my own relationships and then we had finished up the whole record and um, I ended up actually breaking up with the girlfriend I was dating at the time And the whole record actually had wrapped around to being about her. And it's like this whole second meaning behind the whole thing. So it's actually a super (laughs) intense uh, record when you know that kind of fact. But every song we decided to go with um, kind of a different feel from beginning of end to a relationship as the record plays. And in our vinyl that will eventually be released, (laughs) um, we have different images for every song of the record, and it all kind of flows with the idea of a relationship.
0: Yeah, because this isn't all about happy relationships. I mean, a lot of this is fairly dark. I thought everyone wants light, fluffy songs.
1: <laughs> I I don't know how to write a light, fluffy song. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I I wanted to try to write songs that sound a little less sad you know, sonically less sad, but we definitely had, like, a lot of darker lyrics and some darker metaphors and stuff like that. Um, I've always been a fan of bands that have music that sounds happier than the lyrics are, sort of melancholy vibe, so I definitely wanted to try to take that on and and try that out, um, which I think really worked well. Uh, Some of the songs on the record turned out way better than I had expected when we recorded them, um, Find the Words being one of them, which is our last song on the record. That song turned out way cooler than I could have ever, you know, hoped for. But yeah, I don't know. It was a wild, a wild time recording that record. <laughs> Find
0: the Words, that has got to go down as one of the most melancholy tracks I've ever
1: heard. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> I think.
0: That's not a negative, that's a positive but it is interesting because most artists don't want to follow through and do something that is melancholy.
1: Yeah, we, I mean, I don't know if it was, like, my ignorance towards it, I suppose. We had such a small audience coming into this record. You know, a little backstory before of Brighter Days. Um, We have been a band for such a long time. You know, People Are Like All Over came out in 2012, and so we're putting out this record in 2015 that has a lot less anticipation than if it came out in 2014 or even 2013. And so for us, we were just kind of like, we just want to write a new record that's good and that we like. And who cares what it sounds like, really? You know, we self-produced it. We recorded and engineered it ourselves. Um, well, our bass player did. And then we had someone mix it. So it was a very personal and a very like untouched record. So with that, we were just kind of like, who cares? It's actually funny you say that, um, that sometimes people don't like to follow through all the way with such a melancholy vibe. So the very end of recording, we did vocals, the very last maybe four days, five days, and it was just me and Nate, our bass player. And there was a couple times, because like I said, this is still before I had broken up, And I was singing these songs about a breakup that hasn't happened yet. And he's listening to me working out lyrics and working out melodies. And he's just like, are you sure you want to say that, Trevor? And I'm like, yeah, why? And he's like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) So he would just let me go with it. And I think I even didn't know exactly what I was writing at the time with some of the songs, for sure.
0: So effectively, you were resolving your own relationship through the music.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I guess I was. Worst of all is she sang on the record, too.
0: <laughs> okay, that's who was doing the vocals on the one song.
1: Yeah. What kind
0: of a statement were you trying to make by f- having Find the Words as the closing track of the album?
1: Um, I've always been a fan of the melancholy vibe, and it was partially a playability thing where I was like, I really want people to listen to the record more than once, and if it ends sad then maybe they'll listen to it again um and also for that fact the record does have good and bad in it relationally i wanted people to know that stuff can end poorly but it's not always the end it's not always a bad thing because if you listen to the whole thing of find the words it's overtly down and um kind of sad but there is a certain aspect you know throughout the whole record and partially in that song of knowing that there is hope and there is more that, you know, can come. And that's kind of what we wanted with the musical, the lifts and the the vibe with that song too, which I think turned out really great.
0: How did that work out? You go from having Aaron Marsh, who is known as being a producer now, even more so than he was known as being part of Copeland, and then you had your bass player doing the production. It's a smooth, polished album.
1: Yeah, thank you. He, I mean, he does a great job. Um, So a background on Nate, I guess. Nate um, and my brother, Cameron, played in a band called Blank Page Empire for a while. So like I was saying earlier, me and my brother were in a screamo band. And after that band broke up, my brother went on to play in Blank Page Empire in another band. I just went on to author and it was a long process for me. So he worked with Nate and Nate's, 27, I believe. And so my brother is 22. So he was a lot younger. And my brother and him got to work together for a while. And they recorded like two records. And the stuff sounds really great. And so they had this history of working together. It ended up working out really great. Nate's very hands on and he has tons of ideas, which is great. And he's also not afraid to like yield his ideas. I mean, if I'm struggling connecting a verse to a chorus or something, he'll have three ideas in 15 minutes. You know what I mean? And so he's just like one of those musical type prodigy guys that's been playing guitar since he was like eight years old. And so for us, it it was really great because um, he kind of got – him and Eric at the time were like – they understood the fact that it is a whole band and we are a band, um, but we almost always base the ideas around like me and Cameron. You know, me and my brother will come up with some concepts and then Nate and Air come in with the finishing touches. And um, so with that being said, it was like a very easy thing to do. And it was just a blast. The hardest part was how little time we had in the studio. We were, well, we actually didn't have a little amount of time. I think we were in there for two and a half weeks, but which is another interesting fact. We felt rushed because we had to finish a lot of songs in the studio. <laughs> Talk about stress. yeah. Yeah, that first song, Fiction, on the new record. I wrote all of the lyrics and wrote all of the melodies at 4 a.m. on the last day of recording, and we had to be done by 6 (laughs) (laughs) a.m. And it's
0: an awesome track.
1: Yeah, I I don't mind it now. I hated it at first, actually. Um, I was like, this is so weird and not not me, and then I ended up liking it and... um, Yeah, sometimes stuff like that needs to happen to get some interesting outcomes, I suppose.
0: Got another question for you, Trevor. Last year, author put out a single called To Dream. What would be the greatest dream for the band?
1: The greatest dream for the band? Um, (laughs) Probably just to do what we're doing now. Um, Play to more kids that care. (laughs) That sounds a little weird, so... I'm not saying that our fans and people that come to our shows don't care, but I would love to play for a crowd, you know, 200 plus kids that really care and you know, know the words and and stuff like that and I guess longevity and having this as a career would be such a huge blessing and such a great thing for all of us. So that would be I think the biggest dream is just to be able to to be self-sustaining from from author and from writing music. Um, and just kind of sharing our lives with people. That would be probably the collaborative biggest dream.
0: Well, was your chance to help everybody out, because when I Googled author online, I had a great time finding books and writers, but how <laughs> in the world do you get your music?
1: Yeah, so we've connected everything to weareauthor.com and w-e-a-r-e, author, like authorofabook.com. And it's all off of there, our Facebook, our Instagram, all of our links, everything. Um, If you're searching us online, if you search We Are Author as one word, you can find it pretty much anywhere. Um, It's just a really tough thing. I'm hoping that over time, our name will become more searchable, just like bands like Fun or Pink, you know. But in the meantime, if you search We Are Author as one word, you can find us pretty much anywhere.
0: There, and now author will be right at the top of the Google list.
1: That's what we're hoping.
0: The Antidote has been here with Trevor of Author. Man, it's been really cool speaking with you.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having us.
0: And thanks for the good music.
1: Yeah, no, thank you for hearing it. I really appreciate it.